1: Game time on the big stage Sunday night football. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jansen and Luke Goldblanks. Your go-to show for all things Broncos. That's right. What's good, Broncos country? You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast It's time to drop some knowledge. I'm Chad Jensen, the publisher of MileHighHuddle.com, part of Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. With me is Nick Kendall, also part of Mile High Huddle. Now, the draft just wrapped up, but we have another new Bronco arrival to break down and react to,
0: Nick. Yeah, I'm excited. We're adding, I mean, I thought we were done adding juice, but the cup overflow, if it appears. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Dang it, you used the J word. I was trying to get through this whole podcast without using the the J word, but uh, not to fret. We'll be all right now Huddle up is not here to just report the news. We're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. and as a listener, we appreciate you tuning in with us. it's It's a big deal. We appreciate that. But what you can also do to really help us out is retweet the episodes when you see them on Twitter, share them on Facebook, and even more importantly, rate and comment on the show on iTunes. Very important to us growing the show. And of course, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUp underscore MHH. Just take a second and get that done. Now, this is a MileHighHuddle.com podcast. And again, I want to promote our premium membership package. We had a huge swell of new members sign up over the draft and the weeks leading up to the draft, and especially over draft weekend. And I just want to say thank you for your support. And, of course, welcome to the manger. Uh, Mile High Huddle, we're part of Scout.com, part of CBS Sports Digital. We have killer premium Broncos content, more deep dive stuff designed for the Bronco-holics out there, and our premium members get 10% off on tickets, 10% off on Broncos team merchandise through Fanatics. costs 5 bucks per month to be a member which is basically the cost of a you know premium cup of Joe. And the benefits are legit. We make it worth your while, and our members don't miss a single piece of our in-depth Broncos analysis. Now, the show, make sure you are subscribing on iTunes to huddle up. can also be found on Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, iHeart, CastBox, pretty much everywhere. Now, the draft might be in the books, but as you can see, there's always something to dissect when it comes to the Broncos, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. All right, Nick, now... You dropped the J-word. I was really resolved not to use in the J-word tonight, but it's all good. Uh, I just can't do it, as Mike Singletary once opined. But over the draft, let me suffice to say this. The Broncos did infuse the roster with some truly explosive offensive players, and the team might not have been comfortable. We talked a little bit about this the other day with Eric, with the cost of moving up to get Christian McCaffrey in the top ten but when it comes to, a, or I should say when it came to a proven NFL player, the Broncos got the next best thing, four-time Pro Bowler, and the Kansas City Chiefs' all-time leading rusher. That's got to hurt. Jamal Charles visited the Broncos on Tuesday. The medicals checked out on his knee. And, Nick, the Broncos signed him to a one-year deal worth up to $3.7 million.
0: Now, your immediate gut reaction, Nick, to the signing. Well, I was excited when I heard that he was going to be visiting the Denver Broncos. Um, to point out, not only did they try to trade up for Christian McCaffrey, but they tried extremely hard to trade up for Joe Mixon in the second round. So the Broncos were looking to add an offensive playmaker out of the backfield, not just a wide receiver, not just a tight end, but a running back that could offer some explosion. We'll avoid that J word. Yep, yep. They also were really looking for... A, Marlon Mack, it sounded like in the fifth round, but ended up taking Jake Butt, who I think will actually be a better pick in the long run. Hmm. But Jamal Charles offers that explosive running back out of the backfield. He'll probably come in. I would assume he will be the third down change of pace back, but I am not going to, I guess, limit him. I think if he still has it anything left in the tank, he can be a dynamic playmaker. Oh, yeah. He is fourth all time in 5.5 yards per attempt and I believe that is the highest of all time for any running back so just one of the more explosive playmakers ever to play in the NFL which is fantastic for our offense because I'm not sure how many touches we have for him per game you know with the other running backs we have with the wide receivers with the young quarterbacks so if he can be effective and explosive with the number of touches he gets that just adds a whole other dynamic to the offense we were missing before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Nick, you talk a lot about being a statistician, and I want to focus on that 5.5 yards per carry average as a career. Now, yeah, it's great that he is a franchise's all-time leading rusher, and I don't want to take anything away from that accomplishment. It's a it's quite the feat. But we're not talking, when you look at a 5.5 yards per carry average, a small sample size, Nick. I mean, this guy has carried the rock 1,332 times in his career since he was picked in the third round out of Texas, 2008. So this guy has a lot of experience carrying the load. And what's interesting to me is, you know, C.J. Anderson, when he's healthy, is one of the most effective running backs um, in the NFL. But in his short career, he has proven that he lacks the ability to be the bell cow. And it's not that he doesn't have the physical gifts or the talent as a runner. It's that he simply can't stay healthy. And I think Jamal Charles, obviously going into this season, it's a similar thing. But when you look at these two guys, you know, hey, if C.J. Anderson goes down, they got Jamal Charles and and vice versa. So I think the Broncos are pretty well balanced with their top two guys, whether it's – I mean, both of them are, th- are three down backs. I mean, you look at C.J. Anderson, he can pound the rock between the tackles, he can pick up blitzers, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield just fine. And Charles can do all those same things, but with a lot more explosion to his step.
0: Yeah, agreed completely. I believe that if, I mean, you never know with Anderson's contract and the running backs that they have on the roster, but assuming both of them make it to the final roster cut, uh, Anderson will probably be more of the between the tackles guy. And I would assume in the shotgun formation out of the backfield, you'd see Jamal Charles, especially with those knee injuries, uh, taking more of a third down back roll. Now, granted, with how McCoy has used those receiving running backs recently with like Woodhead and uh, Brandon Oliver come to mind. Yep. I think that Jamal Charles, I mean, he makes sense as that receiving back and is going to be more of a receiving security blanket for whoever the quarterback is. And I mean, I'm excited. What a, what a fun playmaker for the offense that we've sorely lacked.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And I mean, if the Broncos can get even three-quarters of the version that Jamal Charles was just two short years ago before he tore his ACL the second time, I believe, I mean, it'll be a great win for the franchise. And, you know, the deal's done. He's officially signed the deal in Denver. It's in the books. According to him, I thought this was interesting, Nick. He's always looked up to John Elway. Um, And although, of course, he played for one of Denver's arch enemies, he's always imagined himself... In a Broncos uniform. Here's what he said, real quick, on Tuesday from Dove Valley. Nah, man. I uh, I, used to tell, so I told John, man, it's an honor to be here. And uh, I used to watch you. When you inspired me as a kid growing up. And i now get to put on the same jersey that you uh, that that I saw you play with. So it's inspiring. Now I get to put it on. Now, Nick Charles, I guess he's been watching the Broncos. I mean, obviously he's been watching the Broncos. Been competing against the Broncos for a long time, but it sounds like he's been. A fan of the Broncos long before he ever even made it to the NFL. He's clearly got a lot of respect for the organization. And I don't think it's just because they're paying him now. You know, they're the ones paying him.
0: Yeah, I agree. And especially, you know, unfortunately for him, but fortunate for us over his tenure uh, playing for the Chiefs, Denver have kind of been that main dog, especially recently in the AFC West. So even though the Chiefs won the division last year, I'm sure he feels like he's, you know, jumping ship and joining probably the the good guys, the winning team this time. So with with our defense and our explosive, you know, not as, I don't want to say boring, but the Alex Smith-led offense the Chiefs have, I think that he's probably excited for everything that McCoy and this offense have to offer this year. You
1: know, you look at the free agent period, and honestly, I thought there were going to be a lot more teams in high pursuit uh, of Charles Service's Adrian Peterson, it didn't take him too long to find a home on the open market. Teams were obviously, though, very cautious about Charles and his his recent injury. And, I mean, this isn't like it's an injury that happened last year. He injured his knee two years ago, two seasons ago, and suffered major setbacks. He's appeared in eight games over the last two seasons because of that initial, well, I shouldn't say initial, because of that ACL he suffered in 2015. So teams are very cautious about him. There's a lot of doubt but Charles talked about in his uh, brief time talking with uh, the Broncos TV guys, what's motivating him right now to continue to push himself, even though he's 30 years old, uh, at this time in his career. Here's what he said real quick. Just People just count me out. People count me out, and I'm, I'm always trying to prove people wrong, and, and that always been me, and, and I still wanted I had fire in the tank, and I still wanted to play football. Now, Nick, I think it's safe to say that we're all going to be on pins and needles for a while when it comes to Charles' health, right? We're all going to be a little bit concerned and kind of holding our breath. But if you look back at his career and the things he's overcome, the obstacles, he has shown a propensity in the past for proving his doubters wrong.
0: Yeah, he definitely has. And like I touched on recently, he is going to need that explosiveness. You know, that's still part of his game, and that remains to be seen if he has it after coming off that injury. But he's always been very effective on – Not, I want to say a limited amount of touches, but he gets it done in less touches than other running backs need. You know, you have a lot of rhythm backs who need 20, 25 touches and then they start to get momentum. But Charles has always been a guy who he takes huge advantage of his touches, whether it be running, like we said, running the ball, like we said, 5.5 yards per carry. But he's also been a very effective receiver. He's gone over 200 yards almost every single healthy year he's had, with his highest receiving total year being 2010 with 468. Or no, my bad. 2013 with 693 right. yards. so And 70 receptions. That, and 70 receptions, yeah. So if fantasy football fans out there, he might be a good PPR option <laughs> to look at. But, no, yeah, it's, it's totally – I mean, Anderson can be that three-down back. Jamal Charles can be that three-down back. And put them together, we have a, hopefully a full season of a healthy RB1. Yep,
1: absolutely. I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the offense because, you know, we've talked about on the show – what D'Angelo Henderson, Denver's sixth-round pick out of Coastal Carolina, can bring. Um, But there's a good chance it's going to take him a little time. I know Eric's a lot more optimistic about how soon uh, he expects D'Angelo Henderson to be able to make an impact on this offense and on the depth chart. But I think, especially with the signing of Charles here, I think you see the Broncos are probably a little bit more um, cautious about how they view uh, Henderson's immediate impact anyway. And so what he brings, though— Charles, if you take Henderson just not necessarily out of the equation, but you put him at number four on the depth chart, you look at C.J. Anderson, you look at Devontae Booker, Charles, again, even if he's three-quarters of the player he was in 2015 before he tore his ACL, he is a much more explosive player who literally, from any place on the field, has the ability to take it to the house every time he touches the ball.
0: Yeah, agreed. And he's he's a much different running back than what we already have on the roster. You know, Henderson can be explosive, but he's a little more squat, not as explosive uh, vertically. And it just adds another weapon that we desperately needed on the offense. So we've revamped the offensive, uh, the wide receivers, revamped the offensive line, got some uh, new tight a new tight end in there. And now we got another running back toy. So it's really exciting, and I'm excited for whoever ends up winning the quarterback competition.
1: Well, and let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, I know we've yet to see any of these rookies on the field. It's going to take some time. Um, But now the Broncos have Jamal Charles. We have that to look forward to. Going through each position, Nick, let's look at the offense as a whole. Projecting it right now, let's go through who your starting lineup is on offense. Tell me which players are starting at which position for the Denver Broncos in 2017.
0: Well, left tackle, we would have Garrett Bowles. I would hopefully assume. Agree. Yep. Uh, left guard, I would project Ronald Leary. Okay. Center, I'd have Matt Paradis. Right guard, it would be Garcia. Okay. Right tackle, we'd have Menelik Watson.
1: Yep, I'm with you.
0: And I think we'd have Stevenson and Sam uh, competing for that swing tackle. Uh, okay. Schofield as the backup guard slash tackle. And McGovern as the backup guard slash center. So okay. I, I guess you asked for the starting lineup. I'm giving you the whole depth chart. Yeah, no. you're
1: going deep. That's all good, though. That's what <laughs> yeah. we're here for.
0: Exactly. Uh, the wide receiver core. I, Cody Latimer, I would not be surprised if he was traded. Um, there cut. has been some interest in him. I've, I've heard there have been some interest in him. I mean, even if you can get a future seventh round pick for him that adds value. I mean, we were able to throw in some sevens to move up for guys. We were targeting day three this year. So it just mm-hmm. add more bullets to the chamber. Uh, the starting wide receiver, obviously you're going to have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. I'd have to imagine uh, Carlos Henderson's going to be that wide receiver three. I've had my hopes up for Cody Latimer too many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see Taylor compete with Fowler, I would assume. And I'm not going to forget uh, Brown. They signed him to a futures contract, but I've, he'd probably be a long shot to make the roster tight ends wise. uh, Jake, will obviously make the roster after trading for Derby, they'll make the roster. And I think that's who the two guys they would like to be starting. But with green, the primary blocker and hireman after using a third round pick on him a couple of years ago, that's going to need to shake out in training camp. I mean, they're going to have to have film and let the play on the field speak to let that one sort itself out.
1: I think uh, when you look at the starting lineup straight across the board, now, you didn't say this. So, well, before I do this, let me ask you. So who's playing quarterback?
0: Yet to be determined. But, but. Well, all of I this think, is yet to be determined. Yes, yeah, yes. But even for me, I'm not, uh, I think it'll be Paxton Lynch, but it is going to be decided on the field. With that being said, if it's anywhere close at all, or even if Simeon just barely is leading Paxton, I think we're going to p- put Paxton Lynch in. Yeah, I agree. After using that investment, trading up for him, having three more years on his deal instead of one or two, uh, he's just – you have a higher potential for the offense if he takes those lumps and bruises early and can develop into that franchise quarterback. So you said something in the last podcast, you know, ripping that Band-Aid off and just going with it, and that's something I can definitely get behind. But I'm not going to count out Simeon, and if he is obviously the better quarterback in training camp, I can't – I personally couldn't throw my weight behind Paxton if that's the case.
1: Right. No, and I understand that. I mean, if I look at this offense right now, and, of course, it's way too early. There's a lot to be determined. I think you're starting – and the Broncos, I think, more often than not, you're going to see them start with three – you know, 11 personnel, three wide receivers, one tight end. And those three receivers, Thomas Sanders and Carlos Henderson at tight end, I think initially until Jake Butt gets through his – full rehab, and he's fully healthy and playing like himself, feeling like himself, I should say. I think until that happens, A.J. Derby is your starting tight end. I'm not even sure Virgil Green's going to be on this roster come September. Offensive line, I honestly think it's going to shake out like this. Watson right tackle. I think Larry's going to play right guard. I think Paradis will, of course, still be the center. Left guard, I think, will be Max Garcia, and then Bowles, At left tackle, I think the quarterback. If I had to pick it now, and as Nick said, you know, there's still so much to be determined. I mean, it could it could go a number of ways, and including this new element of Chad Kelly, who, if you listen to the Broncos, they think there's a good chance he could be available and healthy enough to compete in August. And if that's the case, I mean, it's a long shot, but he's a factor in this competition as well, even if it is, um, you know, lower on the totem pole, so to speak. But if I had to choose today. I would choose I would predict Paxton Lynch winning that job and then at running back I think you know CJ Anderson obviously has a leadership role he has a he has a presence and a persona inside the locker room and that's going to be a little bit tough at first I think for for Charles to crack that veneer crack into that um that shell inside the locker room but he's such an accomplished player it's and, and once he gets out on the field it's not going to take him long and I don't think there's any guarantee Nick that C.J. Anderson is going to be number one starting uh, running back on the depth chart. Because you look back, for example, to 2015, let's not forget, he's coming off 2014 where he had that amazing second half of the season, C.J. Anderson. Went on to the Pro Bowl, season ended in disappointment, of course, losing to the Colts in the divisional round. Fast forward to 2015, in comes Gary Kubiak. All the press, in the media, we're all talking about how having visions of the Bronco rushing game of old and these 1,000-yard receivers getting cranked out, these no-names left and right, and how C.J. Anderson is just going to be the next great player at the position. Well, he goes into camp overweight, um, does not impress the coaching staff, ends up getting hurt a little bit in camp and preseason, and even if he wasn't hurt, I don't think he was winning the starting running back job. It went to Ronnie Hillman. And here's how I say, here's why I know that. When C.J. Anderson did get healthy about three weeks into that season, the Broncos continued to start Ronnie Hillman instead of their Pro Bowl running back throughout that entire season. In fact, if I remember right, Nick, C.J. Anderson didn't even start his first game that year until the freaking Super Bowl. So C.J. Anderson, you know, he's he's he was a part of that, that great playoff run. He was a part of that Super Bowl champion offense. Um, and so he's got some bona fides within that locker room. Guys have loyalty, but the coaches don't. And I I would not be surprised. And if I had to choose today, you know, all things being equal and assuming both Anderson and, and Charles can stay healthy through through the, the, you know, war of attrition that is training camp, I actually think Charles ends up on top of the depth chart with C.J. Anderson doing what he's best at, and that is coming in – and serving as, as not necessarily the change of pace, but the number
0: two. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty close. It just depends on what roles and what niches they fill. Uh, that's kind of the trend, uh, how NFL backfields are going. Unless you have like a superstar like Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson or Adrian Peterson in his prime, you kind of have running backs fill different roles. I see Anderson, you know, a little bit more between the tackles and Charles outside the tackles receiving back. But they'll probably go with the hot hand, and if they're going to use a little more up-tempo, they might have to use uh, rotate the running backs a little more.
1: Well, it's certainly going to be fun to cover this team this summer. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Training camp was interesting last year because of the quarterback battle, and that's going to prove true again in 2017. But there's so many moving parts to this young roster. And, and again, it's it really is a young roster. When your Demarius Thomas's and Emmanuel Sanders are the – you know, the gray beards of the group, you've got a pretty young roster. And as Vance Joseph said, Nick, when he was introduced, it's not a rebuild, it's a reload uh, or a reboot, actually, I think is what he said. And I'm really excited to cover it this summer and see what the complexion of this roster really looks like once they get all the pads on, start hitting, get all the installs in in training camp and preseason. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm just ready for these guys to start hitting each other again. I need preseason even. I don't even care. <laughs> I need some tape to watch. Yep. I need some players to analyze, and I'm I'm ready to go.
1: Well, hey, we're going to be here to break it down for you each and every day leading up to that point and into the season. It's going to be great. But thanks for joining us today. Uh, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Up underscore MHH. Thousands of you listen to this show every episode, and yet we just barely cracked 300 followers on Twitter. doesn't make a lot of sense. We need you to just take a second. And make sure you're following the show on Twitter. You can find Nick on Twitter, at Nick Kendall, MHH, myself, at Chad and Jensen. We do love hearing from you, so hit us up. Uh, we're, we'll take your questions. We'll try to address them on the show when we can. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Nick, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle. Time to fire up the grill.
0: Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers.
1: Ooh, I love their beer cooler.
0: <laughs> you love their prices even more.
1: Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Time to fire up the grill.
0: Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more.
1: Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.